Lord Jesus, you are the vine dresser who tends to us and cares for us. Lord, open our hearts this morning that we might hear from you. In your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, how many of you have ever been to Matt's Bar up on Cedar? Praise the Lord. Good for you. That's great. Uh, I love Matt's Bar on Cedar. Uh, it's famous here in Minneapolis for its Juicy Lucy. Uh, I love the dingy 80s trucker stop sort of vibe that it has in there. Uh, the smell of burnt grease that, that's sort of emanating from the walls and the ceiling. Uh, I love biting into that Juicy Lucy and the, the hot scalding cheese burning my face off. Um, that's, that's why I grow a beard to cover the Juicy Lucy uh, burnt scars. <laughs> uh, and I love pairing my burger with a, a a huge order of greasy fries and a large pilsner. It is a wonderful, wonderful place. I'm grateful for it. And this past week, um, Aaron and Derek invited me to go to Matt's with them. Uh, and I got super excited about that. Um, but, but there's a problem. And the problem is that this year for Lent, uh, it's not that I gave up Juicy Lucy's, <laughs> then, then we would have other issues. Uh, and I'll spare you the details, but uh, the, the food that I gave up for Lent would inhibit me from going and enjoying a place like Matt's. Uh, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the melted delicious cheese, uh, the fluffy sweet hamburger buns, the crisp refreshing Pilsner. Um, going on in detail makes me hungry right now, uh, but I wish I could have had lunch at Matt's bar uh, with you, Aaron, and Derek. Where'd you go, Derek? There, yeah. Did you have a good time? Was it, wasn't it your first time? Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you got to experience that. Uh, good for you. <laughs> you know, and for me, I felt like I was wondering, you know, did I, did I make a bad decision this Lent? You know, was this a poor choice? And this is usually the moment, the third week in Lent, in which if, if you've given something up for Lent, this is, this is probably that time in which you're wondering, Maybe I made a bad decision here. Uh, maybe uh, I chose a wrong path. Maybe uh, the course that I'm on is not a good course. And even if you're not down with the whole Lent thing, you know, maybe, maybe you forgot this year or maybe you're, this is your first time visiting Restoration, you're like, I'm not even sure what Lent is. I still think you know what that feeling is like. That feeling of, of wondering, maybe I chose the wrong path. You know, maybe it's when you're standing in line uh, for a roller coaster and you're, you're seeing these people being looped through the air and their personal belongings are falling to the ground and their, their, their screams are filling the air and you're wondering, you know, maybe I'm not in the right line right now. Or maybe you're waiting at the dentist's office and down the hallway you hear a drill going and you hear these yelps uh, piercing out, you know, from some poor chap uh, who's sitting in the chair and you think, perhaps another day, you know, maybe not right now. We have several experiences in our lives, or this common experience, where we do ask ourselves, maybe I've chosen poorly. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of, uh, maybe this is dating myself, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, when, when the knight says, he chose poorly. Like that, that's kind of the feeling that I think that comes to mind. Well, we are in the season of Lent right now. This is the third week in Lent. And as you've heard me say before, this is a 40-day spiritual pilgrimage with Jesus. We fast together, we give together, and we pray together. A couple of weeks, I talked about Lent, our Lenten journey beginning in the wilderness with Jesus. And from there, we pilgrim with Jesus day by day, closer and closer to Jerusalem. That is, closer to the cross. 
And today in our passage, we, we hear the disciples questioning the path. They're asking Jesus, is this in fact the right way? Are you sure you want to go all the way down this road, Jesus? So I'd like to move us through this passage in three separate movements as we analyze this question that all of us ask in some form. So Jesus, like I said, he's teaching in the villages, inching closer and closer to Jerusalem. And they say, so Jesus, I don't know if you've heard this yet. Don't know if you've read the news today. Um, but there were a bunch of Galileans who Pilate killed in the temple. Now, no doubt this was a, a major traumatic experience for the community, for the entire nation. It struck fear in their hearts. It was all over the headlines. And with most headlining stories, it, it rattles us on multiple levels. There's multiple levels of this. Now, on a basic level, the disciples are, are merely informing Jesus about some potential danger on the road ahead. You know, maybe this isn't the right path, Jesus. Maybe we should change our course, Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't stupid. He knows his mission. He knows his purpose. And Jesus Christ leans into it. He's not afraid of the suffering ahead. He is on the path to defeat Satan. He is on the path to break the chains of sin and destroy death itself. And he does this because he loves you. He loves me. And he wants to invite us into his abundant life. And so Jesus stays on the course. Now, like I said, that is the, sort of a, a basic understanding of this question. But it touches on something much deeper as well. And that is why. Why did this happen? Why did this horrible crime happen, Jesus, to one of our own, to one of our people? These people were worshiping God in the temple. They're fulfilling their Jewish duties. They're offering up their prayers and petitions to God. And in that moment, Pilate came into their worship space, and his, or his thugs did, and murdered them. The Bible puts it pretty crudely in our passage. Their blood mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. You know, our church history has moments just like that. Church history is filled with these. Uh, I think of the Catholic Archbishop Oscar Romero, who uh, was, was actually shot and killed as he was presiding at the Holy Table in El Salvador. Or I think about the Archbishop, uh, the Anglican Archbishop Janani uh, Lawum of Uganda, uh, who was killed by Idi Amin's uh, regime as he was advocating for peace uh, not too long ago. So why do these things happen? Why does God allow uh, his people, uh, the people of God, to be killed in these sort of horrific ways? Maybe they deserved it. Maybe, you know, God sees their hearts. He knows the intentions of them. So did they actually deserve it? Did they deserve to die in this gruesome way? Jesus, maybe this isn't the path we want to go down, the disciples are asking. So the second movement, let's look at Jesus' answer here. And before I dive into this, I, I do want to sort of provide a disclaimer. This is not a popular Bible passage. Uh, th this isn't one that uh, we make movies out of or, or, you know, tell to our children at night. Because here's the deal. Jesus doesn't give a straight answer to the questions that they ask. Instead, Jesus says, answering this a certain kind of way is actually wrong. He sort of, a, a, in typical Jesus fashion, drills down to the heart of the matter and turns the question on its head. And so Jesus says in the second verse, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans? 
And then Jesus brings it even closer to home. What about those, those Jerusalemites who, live, who were just below the Tower of Siloam and the tower fell on them? Do you think they're worse off, they're worse sinners than all the other Jerusalemites that are there? Or what about those New Yorkers who died when the Twin, City, when the twin Towers fell? Were they worse sinners than all the other New Yorkers? That's not a knock against New Yorkers. But you see what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't ask if they died because of their sin. He says, ask why you are still alive. Ask why you are still alive. And then he says, our days are numbered. He says, unless you repent, this will also be your fate. So Jesus here is saying, turn to me. Follow me. Stay on the path. Eugene Peterson says, repentance is the first word in the Christian imagination. It's the first word in the Christian imagination. In fact, Molly reminded me that uh, the children's ministry right now, in the children's ministry, the children uh, in in very child-appropriate language are learning how to confess sin. And then they're also hearing words of scripture proclaiming forgiveness to them. And as they're being uh, taught about these patterns of repentance, uh, the, the teachers are just reporting these beautiful prayers that follow it. It's sort of opening up these channels of prayer where the children know that they are accepted before the Lord and they can offer up whatever the burdens are of their hearts. So ask your kids uh, what that's like. So repentance is the first word in the Christian imagination. Or to put it in the language of, of path and journey, we could say repentance is the first step of the Christian journey. Repent is a pilgrim word. It's a navigational term. It means you're changing directions. You're choosing a different path. Once you were going here, but now you're going here. To repent means that you are changing your direction. The way of the world is tragedy, it's destruction, it's betrayal, and ultimately it's death. We wage wars like crazed dictators. We lie, we cheat, we take what's not ours, we grumble and we fight with one another. And eventually death consumes us all. But for the Christian, for those who are on the Jesus path, death is not the final word. Thanks be to God. Yes, the towers might fall. The plague might strike. The cancer might consume. But for the Christian, this is not the end. Jesus is saying, stay on the path. I am marching into the bowels of Hades to defeat death itself and all the evil of this world. So Jesus is reframing their question here. He's saying, do not be surprised that people die. That is the way of this world until the final consummation of all of history. But be surprised that you are still alive. Repent and stay on the path. So you can probably see why this isn't necessarily a popular story. Uh, And the parable that follows is also not extremely popular. (laughs) So the third part is Jesus tells about a parable of a fig tree. This fig tree is not bearing fruit. The owner comes and he orders to have it cut down. And the vine dresser kind of comes as an advocate of the, the tree. He says, sir, let's, let's give it another year. I'll give it some special attention. I'll give it some fertilizer and let's find out. Let's wait and see what actually happens after this year. So what does this parable have to do with repentance and tragedy and uh, Galileans who passed away tragically? Well, Jesus wants us to know three things from this parable. He says, for those of us who survive, 
It is only because of God's grace. It's only because of God's grace. Every single day is a gift. The tree remains because of the pure grace of the owner. Secondly, the purpose of our ongoing life is to bear fruit. It's for good works. It's for works of mercy and generosity and hospitality and love. And then thirdly, the blessing we receive are not reasons for boasting. You know, as uh, uh, affluent Americans, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, as affluent Anglicans, uh, which I I think works, uh, you know, in the great tradition, we like fancy things sometimes, and that can be a distraction to us at times. Um, But sometimes we think that our blessings are because of the favor that we're in or because of our own faithfulness and God is somehow rewarding us. Justo Gonzalez, uh, a Latino scholar, says otherwise. He says the tree receives special attention and added fertilizer, not because it's a good tree, but because it is a bad tree. Hmm. So again, we like to think we're comfortable because of the things that we, that we receive, but maybe sometimes the blessings we get are just piles of manure, to put it in the language of this parable. Maybe these blessings are warnings of an impending doom that's coming. So Jesus says, repent, bear fruit. So this last week, uh, the, the church started hosting a, a new group, a new group of women, and this is called Raising Sisters, Raising Sisters. And uh, they, they started meeting on a regular basis down in our, our fellowship hall. And these women are coming out of incarceration. And they've been meeting weekly throughout the pandemic, and now they're gonna be meeting monthly um, here in the, in the fellowship hall. Well, also at that same time, there's another women's Bible study that's meeting. Uh, and when they found out that the group downstairs was meeting, they decided to prepare a feast for them. They brought home, uh, warm, home-baked meals to them. They provided food to, for them. And the facilitator of, of this uh, wrote Molly an email just saying, thank you for the overwhelming goodness of God displayed through your church family. We had a sweet reunion of friends, she said. The laughter was holy. Uh, the connections were vital for our continued health. She says, I know this is going to grow. So why do I share that story? Because what we read today is a challenging passage. Calls to repentance. Calls to stay on the path. And calls to bear fruit. But as we look to the other Bible passage today, to 1 Corinthians, we learn that God is faithful He is the faithful one. And in verse 13, we read that he always provides a way for us, a path for us, a way to follow him. You see, God doesn't call you on a journey that's beyond your abilities. He gives you his own son. He gives you Jesus the rock to lean on. His blood washes away your guilt and makes you pure. He meets us in prayer. He meets you in his word. He fills you with his spirit. At his table, he gives you spiritual food and spiritual drink. He equips our hearts and our souls with grace to endure. And here in the church, he's giving us a fruitful fellowship with one another. We are like, where where those here in this church, where we can gather together, those who are broken and forgotten and discarded are offered a feast here. And I'm not just talking about freed prisoners. I'm talking about all of us. All of us are freed prisoners who get to feast with Jesus every week and receive food for the journey, food that bears um, fruit among our lives. You do not journey alone, brothers and sisters. So come this Lent.
and let us journey with Jesus together. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the God who walks among us, conquering the darkness. Thank you for leading us in fruitful living. Fill us with your spirit, Lord Jesus. Pour into us the goodness of your truth, into us and through us, Lord. May you move for the glory of your holy name. Amen. Amen.